podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, World Forest Focus, a defensive disaster for Nottingham Forest as they were beaten 4-2 at Aston Villa State with a performance in many ways with the polar opposite of the win against West Ham a week before. Joining me to discuss the game, team selection, everything that went down at Villa Park State, first of all, is Mark Southerns. Mark, how are you doing? Yeah, on familiar territory, another disappointing away defeat. Uh, yeah, I've been here before, but I'm all right. We have, we have, many of us have, and we'll go through it and what went wrong in due course. Uh, second panellist this evening is Mikey Clark. Mikey, a rare post-match stream for you. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm all right. I'm not too bad. Sorry about the lighting in this room, guys, for those that are watching. I've been trying to get it right and I can't. But um, just sums up what was a disappointing afternoon, really. Yeah, yeah, not to worry about that. Don't worry. We uh, look forward to your take on the game. In fact, Mikey, kick us off with just some some general thoughts on it today. Um, general thoughts. I um, didn't like the way we started. Um, in fact, I probably I probably start with the team selection. I was very surprised um, at Niakate coming in at left back. Now I know he's, he's he's played some games there in his career, but when you've got two fullbacks on the bench, and one of them was arguably our starting left back until very recently, um, I found that strange. Um, but. You know, it was the rest of the team with the same team that, that started against um, West Ham and put in arguably our best performance of the season. So I wasn't too disheartened. But the way we started the game, how long did it take them? Four minutes to get their first goal? And you're thinking, oh dear, it's going to be a long afternoon. And things just never really got, got going until the end of the first half. And by that time, after 39 minutes, you're 3-0 down. And it, it's almost rinse and repeat. Um, now... I want to one caveat this by saying that Aston Villa are a brilliant team. You know their home record is is up there across Europe for the last season. It is brilliant, and they are they are a really good football team to watch. However, if you're going to give them that amount of time and space, and I can't really remember a tackle going in the first half of any note other than some of our defenders throwing themselves wildly into challenges, but nothing like you'd say. Do you know what we're trying to get a grip of this game? We're trying to put our foot in in the middle of the park. It was none of that. It was too passive. You're 3-0 down after 39 minutes, and it's it's pretty much game over. Um, second off, a bit better, and we can talk about that. But I think, in general, the pattern was set after the first five minutes. And it's, it's just very disappointing because half of me thought we turned a corner last week. I was really enthused coming away from the city ground and thought, you know what, we've got a few hard games coming up. Villa, Liverpool, Man U, Brighton. But if we play anything like that, we've got a chance. And unfortunately, those same old defensive frailties um, rear their ugly heads today, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I never expected a result, Mark. But I went there believing we could get something off the back of West Ham. So the frustration for me is, just like Mikey says, the first half was so passive, like Villa looked sharper, more athletic than us, much uh, more aggressive around the pitch. I just didn't see that performance coming in terms of I don't think it's a lack of effort but it's a lack of I don't know what the word is precision and incision and uh, just any kind of quality and doing the basics I didn't didn't see coming what was that the biggest disappointment for you or there's something else that that griped you even more today um I think there was a lack of effort to be honest um I mean I, I'll analyze the first goal in a bit and 
try and illustrate what I mean by that. Um, yeah, it was totally insipid the first half. So passive, like you say, the opposite of West Ham. You know, at the end of the West Ham game, we were struggling to name a man the match. Mm. Um, now we're struggling to name a man the match for Forest for a completely different reason because I can't. I think the best performer was the 3,000 Forest fans, basically, and then maybe Nico, I would say, today. Uh, the support was fantastic um, and they deserve better from that first half. I think. The team selection, maybe Nuno did get it wrong. Maybe acknowledge that by the substitutions. I know they were triggered by the bookings. Um, Felipe and Murillo probably had their worst half of football um, individually that I've seen from them. Um, but we didn't defend well as a team. Uh, the, the goals started with bad defensive play from the midfield too. I thought Danilo and Dominguez were completely missing for the first half. Like you said, no tackles going in, no covering. On countless occasions, Tillemans, McGinn, Ramsey got the ball in a half turn and turned into space and were facing up our defence. And then, yes, Niakate didn't play well at left back, but when you allow McGinn to turn and face him up and put a ball in behind for Bailey, you've got no chance. You know, a, a seasoned left back would be in trouble in that situation. To do that in the first few minutes was pretty unforgivable because... It's like the Brentford defeat. They're a good side, Villa, but they didn't have to be to beat us. They didn't have to play well to beat us. And the problem I've got is when teams beat Everton and teams beat Luton, they will have to play well to beat them. And I not didn't see that from Forest today. Um, you know, Villa didn't really have to stretch every sinew to get those three points. It was pretty walking apart for the first half. And yes, we put up a fight with the goals. They looked very fragile when we turned them round. When we got to their defence, they looked as fragile as us. But we didn't we didn't have enough about us in that first 20 minutes. We I don't know what I can't really explain it, but I, I do think there was a lack of effort in that first 20 minutes that just took the game away from us. Yeah, I mean I say there's no like I didn't perceive a lack of effort because I can't imagine a scenario where a Premier League team would not put a shift in when they're coming off a win and there's an opportunity to play well. I just don't understand it. And the, the dangers were so obvious, Mikey. I will come on to team selection see everyone's talking about that. But Villa going forwards are excellent. But Villa defensively, that yeah, that, that second half Villa defence is not a Champions League defence. And we open them up. But to, just to defend like that, I mean, like the numbers, as Mark had rightly highlighted, defensively our numbers in open play have been really good. But... Absolute shambles today defensively, wasn't it? It was, yeah. And that, that's what's really disappointing because, you know, yet again, we've gone away. We've scored two goals away from home, like we did at Brentford, and got nothing. So when you're going to defend like that, you're going to need two, three, four goals to get anything. You know, I, I was keeping a tabs of the um, the Everton game as well. And, you know, right until the end, they were, um, they were very close to getting a win. Um, and they obviously go away with, with a certain plan to keep things tight and they defend as a unit. I just don't think we defend as a unit. I've, I've thought it all season. I thought it at times last season as well. One brings two, sometimes brings brings three. I think I said to you, Matt, in the chat when we went one nil down, you know, this this could get silly. And and that's off watching them for four minutes because you, you kind of know what some of these players are capable of looking at their body of work. And I don't mean to sound too hard, because like I said, Villa are a very, very good team. And lots of team go lots of teams go there and lose. It's just it just reared its ugly head again. Now we could talk about how good we are going forward, that front four, 
And I always fancies to score goals. You know, every Forest fan I chat to in the pub before the game, after the game, at work during the week, they always say Forest will be fine this season because they score goals. But I'm thinking, will they? Because we need to score goals because we we, we really struggled defensively. We were so good defensively last last week, but that was probably because of the ineptitude of the opposition and the fact you know they had, they had one man up front and didn't get any support around him. When teams put pressure on us, we we tend to fold, and we saw that today, and it's really frustrating. So I probably I'm probably not aligned with Mark with the the lack of effort view, but there is something fundamentally missing there because it happens time and time again. And I think one of the goals was fantastic. I think it was the second one. They worked it really well. But the other's the third one where he just crosses it in, just a header. Like you see that ten times in League One. It's it's just really disappointing. And if you everybody watching this, just cast your mind back. The last five, six, seven, eight games. Think of all the goals we've conceded. How many times have teams really ripped us apart? It hardly ever happened once today. Hardly ever happens. It's, it's just conceding mistakes, bad goals, crosses, set pieces, corners. It's just basic stuff. And then you get yourself back into the game. 3-2. They do ever so well. Get themselves back in the game. And then that fourth goal is just an absolute disaster. I'm sure we'll talk about it in a minute. I don't want to rush ahead. But it's really, it's really it's frustrating me, Matt, because... The good things I see with Nottingham Forest going forward and the periods where we do dominate games, we look a force. We look like we can beat teams. We look like we can go anywhere and, and score a goal. But over 100 minutes of football, if you're going to defend like that, you're going to lose. And it, it really just is as simple. I don't know what the answer is, but it is as simple as that. They've got to tighten up defensively and stop conceding rubbish goals. Hmm. Let's go back to team selection there, Mark. There's so much about it. Nuno getting a lot of flack for playing near Kate at left back. I mm. looked at his career games before this. He's actually played 60 games at left back, mostly in the Bundesliga, and he has played a few at left back for us. So are you pinning it on Nuno saying he should have played Toffolo, or can you see the logic in playing near Kate as a makeshift left back? Yeah, I I mean near Kate has played mainly left centre back in the Bundesliga. He has played left back and he's actually been on the pitch with Bailey many times. Like he's faced him for Mainz when Bailey was at Leverkusen. Um, didn't come out very well in those games, but I, I wonder whether that had something to do with it, the fact that Nuno knew that Niakati had had experience playing against Bailey, left centre-back against a right winger before. Maybe that played into it. Um, I I think not starting Toffolo was a mistake, though. And, and the thing is, like I said, that first goal, and this is why I talk about lack of effort. If you look at how McGinn was allowed to turn with Arony and Hudson-Odoi around him, it wasn't far off that Rashford press against Barkley that's gone round on the internet. We just let him turn round, face up, and throw the ball in behind Nick Catty. And Nick Catty had no chance then. Like, like I said, most fullbacks against Bailey have a job on. When you give a quality player like McGinn time on the ball to turn and face up your defence in the first five minutes, and that I think it is lack of it. We just weren't aggressive enough on the off. You know, one of Hudson Odoi and Arwene should have been on McGinn to stop him turning as easily as he did and have as much time as he did to put that ball behind near Kate. But then for the second goal, near Kate's at fault because he he loses cash. Um so you know he is he is definitely exposed there, but we didn't do him any favours with our defending further up the pitch. Dominguez and Danilo, and like I say there in that instance, Hudson Odoi and Awani, we weren't tight enough on their playmakers, and they have good players. You know, Tielemans and McGinn. I thought McGinn ran the show, completely dominated the midfield. 
And we talked last week about how good Danilo and Dominguez were. They were they shrunk today completely. I thought they were both very poor, weren't factors in the game, and McGinn completely ran the show. And I think that was the difference. And your defence, you know, when you're turned round and you give the time of possession to Tillemans and McGinn, you're gonna you're in trouble. And unfortunately, too many players had bad games. The opposite of last week, you know, Murillo and Felipe weren't good enough. They'd had poor games as well. So yeah, that first half was just was just awful, and then yeah, obviously a mistake for the fourth goal as well. I ju- I just think as a team we started too slowly, too passively, not enough aggression, and we gave them too much time, and they just tore apart. I just Mikey feel kind of like Danilo sums up a bit what we are as a team. Like the ceiling's really high, the the floor is so low. Like he's so mm. so inconsistent. I mean. I don't think Dominguez was at, at his best today either by a long shot, as Mark says, but I don't know. Danilo, uh, I could, we could talk about every player, but he just felt symptomatic today that he just wasn't at it. Mm, yeah, I think that's a fair comment. I think I think if you look at um, the um, common thread that runs through the Forest team, you've got Murillo that's, what is he, 21, 22? Danilo's the same, even... Um, What's Hudson Adore, 23, 24? Alanga's what 21, 22? Mm. They're, 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 not, they're not 26, 27, 28 playing in the Premier League for five, six, seven years that they they become more consistent. I think Gary always says it when it comes on, players don't get better, they get more consistent, right? But Forrest got a lot of young players at the moment that are again quite new to playing with each other. So you're gonna get that. But I'm with you, Matt. The difference between what we get at, say, Man United at home or Newcastle away or even last week to what we saw in that first half, it's like completely different players. I'd rather them just give me a six out of ten, some of them consistently each week, rather than a nine one week and a two and a half the next. Because how was a manager, how was Nuno or Steve Cooper before him going to plan for that? You, you know, you, you don't know what you're going to get. And I said to um, my wife, Lindsay, at half time, um, there were managers in the past that would have done four or five subs at half time. Be interesting to see what, because there's a case for taking a few of them off. But I was pleasantly surprised that Nuno took three off because there were other managers that would just go, go on mm. and get back out of there. Show us what you're going to do. But he didn't. He, he recognised that, that something was wrong and there was a few that were underperforming quite a lot for whatever reason and he changed it. But yeah, the, the consistency is crazy. But I guess in a weird way, and I don't want to be ultra positive, but kind of why we, we like football a little bit because when we get to menu on on when menu come down here on the wednesday you could get an eight or nine out of that you could turn menu over and then liverpool come down here and we saw what we did to them last season so you just never know but it's so frustrating it must be really i had a few friends in the way in today and you know one of them was at the bar after half an hour saying what you're saying matt you know we're getting threes and fours out of tens today it's it, you just know. And I think the Villa guy you had on before um, a couple of days ago, Matt, you, you made the, the Villa guy. He's already rung me after the game, Steve, with his wife. I bet he has. I bet he has. Didn't he say, first 10, 15 minutes, you'll know what Villa turn up. And if it's mm. the one... And, and I thought I thought back to that after five minutes and thought, oh, God, it's that Villa. It's that Villa and this Forest. <laughs> so the, the match between them, it was always going to end one way. And I'm kind of surprised we only lost by two goals, to be honest, because it could have been horrific. Yeah, but we made it that Villa by just not pressing and just not yeah. having any kind of physical imposition on them at all, which I did not understand yeah. fly for me. And I'm not saying it's all on Danilo because, you know, you could have hooked um, 
half the team, more than half the team at half time. It was really, really poor. I mean, I said to mentioning Steve, I said he used to play centre half non league to a decent level uh, and he managed as well. So I said, oh, uh, give me your take on Murillo. This was before the game. I'm really interested to see what you think of him. And I said to him after the match, please don't tell me what you thought of Murillo. Because, I mean, what what happened, Mark? Obviously, he's very young and I'm not going to slate him for it, but he had a really difficult day. So did Felipe. Felipe looked like he just can't run anymore, which we kind of know, but you can cover it up in other aspects. It's that thing we said before the match. I said to Emily and Temps, name our best centre-halves partner, Murillo. And they gave mm. a list. And I said, yeah. well, that list can change after every game at the moment. And we're, we're kind of back to that, aren't they? Our centre-halves were, well, actually all four who played just had a bit of a stinker today, didn't they? Yeah, and it's it's ironic because Nia Kato did a, a really good job on Watkins at the city ground, if you remember. He really marked mm. him out the game. And I, when I saw the team sheet, I did think for a minute, like, is he going to play Murillo against Bailey and then play near Catty and Watkins? I did think he might have pulled something like that. And we might have been better off with that. I mean, near Catty was just exposed to pop, against one of the top three or four right-wingers in the Premier League, right? I think that's what Bailey is. He's he's a, he's probably been their player of the season other than Watkins' numbers. I think performance-wise, he's their player of the season. Um, so that's a difficult job for anybody. But when you, as I said, we exposed Nierkate one on one a couple of times, made it too easy for Bailey to get the ball and expose him one on one. So we didn't defend well as a team, and yet that was obviously going to be a key threat. Um, I think, like Mikey says, one of the positives is Nuno was decisive in his substitutions. Um, I went into the house and I was thinking, right, surely you've got to bring Toffolo on, take Felipe off, put Nierkate to the centre, and he did that. But he also made two other changes, which were great. I mean, maybe our knee was fueled by a bit of protecting an injury as well. Um, but he's very much like if a player gets booked, they're off because we can't take the risk. And I, I think that was wise because I think Felipe and Murillo, they were one challenging way from going off and then we'd lose them for a key game. So that was a positive in that Nuno did act. But I think Nuno be thinking like us. It, it, I don't can't put my finger on how we started, why we didn't impose ourselves on Villa, why we didn't shut down that right-hand side and stop them their creative players having the freedom to get the ball to Bailey as they did to expose near Kate uh, in that situation. It was always going to be trouble. And I think Murillo, that side got dragged over and for the goal, you know, the ball played by McGinn, it was like a 50-50 by Murillo and Bailey and Bailey just got there too quick, tucked it between his legs. And I don't think Murillo recovered from that mistake. I think it got to him and he then, his passing was awry. He was, he got booked. He, he was so untidy and as was Felipe so I think Murillo just lost lost his head after that after that ever for the goal. And he's a young player. And I think Mikey's right. There's 21, 22, 23-year-olds across the pitch. And we're a work in progress, which is not great for a team who could be fighting relegation. But that's what we are. So we have to be a bit more, I guess, tolerant of performances like that for that very reason. And Murillo definitely is a work in progress. And today, I just think he got bettered by that instance with Bailey and he didn't really recover. No, I mean, they do have two elite players in um, Watkins and Bailey. I know Bailey didn't play well last season, but the player he was in Germany and the player we see now, I think he is uh, a top-class player. So hopefully they dust themselves off. Um, just quickly, Mikey, Toffolo, I, you, you must be wondering now if you hear him like, actually, am I going to be here next season? Because 
Nuno clearly just uh, just doesn't seem to rate him. I don't. I kind of scratch my head and think, what's he done wrong? Because he's. I can't think of Toff having a particularly bad game. Even today, when he came on, he was all right, wasn't he? Yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I, like I, like I said, I was I was surprised he if Tavares isn't fit. I was surprised he was not the next cab off the rank, so to speak. Especially when you had Montiel um, on the bench as well, and you could flick Nico to the left if if needs be. Putting a centre back there didn't really make much sense to me. I think the next few games will be interesting if. Nuno is injured. So Toffolo, I don't think, did much wrong in the second half, even though we were chasing the game. Um, so, you know, if he if he doesn't come in for one of those games or doesn't feature, then yeah, I'd, I'd probably be in the same mindset as you might if I were him and probably think, well, actually, am I third, fourth, fifth choice even? And I'm even behind a centre back who's going to play there. Um, but we'll see what happens because, you know, the guys that started today didn't do themselves any favours, did they? Let's be honest. And my wife just texted me saying that Nuno's just said on uh, Radio Nottingham that he's sorry for the performance and that we started really, really badly. Um, you know, obviously. Um, but I think he's, he, he's he's holding his hands up there. Um, and obviously we'll take take some of the blame, um, if not a lot of the blame for, for that team selection. So, um, yeah, back to the drawing board. But I think what's going to be very interesting is how... And I know we'll do a, a an FA Cup preview, Matt, but how seriously, in inverted commas, um, we take that with our team selection. Um, there's an argument to say we just put out the best team and say, come on, you're better than that. Let's show a Man, you got beat today, didn't they? So they're going to be fragile. Um, but there's also an argument to say there's a lot of players that have just come back from AFCON, hopefully one or two will be fit. Um, and the players that started today didn't do themselves any justice. So does he, does it, does it all change? I genuinely do not know. I think he'll probably go one way or the other. He'll do the same again or like eight or nine changes. I, mm. I think he'll do that. But it'll be really interesting. Big week of training ahead. And uh, Man City have just scored. I've just seen in my life. Sorry. That's all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll come. We'll pick up Taiwo on Monday, I think. We don't know. I'm assuming it was more tactical and managing minutes than injury. But we'll, we'll get some clarity on that and pick it up on Monday with... Um, Pots, Greg, and Temps are the guests on Monday. So we'll come back to that and we'll come back to team selection. Uh, before we get back to the game as well, just a quick word for our sponsors of Trent Navigation who helped make this all possible. Uh, tomorrow, I would love a Sunday roast now after today. Uh, <laughs> and there's a quiz at 7pm uh, if you want to make some cash to uh, you know ease the pain of this week. Uh, so yeah, top quality Sunday roast, all locally sourced meat, all at good prices. So uh, thanks as ever to the NAV for their support um the game went in we went into half time mark i mean we played ostensibly absolutely terribly but we got the goal and it gave us some momentum and then we started the second half really well was there a point where you believed that we could get something from the game yeah i i think they were we went man for man in midfield second half and it wasn't as easy for them to play for us and i think they obviously got nervous as soon as it went through too, and our support were out singing theirs, and momentum had swung. And uh, Alanga had that chance to make it through all, which, you know, he's taken chances like that this season. Um, Origi had come on and actually done bits. I think that's the first time I've seen him come on and have an impact in a game, which was good. Two through balls, one for Alanga and then one for Gibbs White that resulted in the goal. I think we had a 10 and 15 minute period where if we'd have got a second in that half and gone through it all, it would have been very interesting indeed. But then we capitulated with the error at the back on Abamadeli caught in possession. I think it was a bad ball from Dominguez to him and then a bad ball to Danilo that got cut out. But 
you know, I, I think it was Omar Baradelli's error, but I don't think that Dominguez's pass was too clever either, nor was Danilo's positioning. And we got punished, and you're going to get punished for that kind of mistake. Um, another error leading to a goal, I think, puts us like we're in the bottom three sides for that this season, and that's that's going to cost us. Uh, and it's a shame because it came at a time when momentum had swung back, and it looked like we could get something from the game against all odds. Mm. It's interesting, is it? We should give Origi some some credit, Mikey. I mean, he hasn't done anything for us, particularly. He got a goal in the FA Cup, but. Uh, the commentator said he scored one goal in 30 club games, but he was he was brighter and he's playing this kind of weird role, isn't he? Where he's coming from the right with Elanga uh, playing through the middle. What do you make of all that? It doesn't say a lot for Origi, but he did put in some you know some bright moments today, I guess, didn't he? Yeah, it's an improvement, isn't it? Let's be honest, because when he when he first joined the the, the spots that he did have, it's like we were playing with ten men. If I'm being brutally honest, but you know, last couple of games. He has contributed. Um, I thought, yeah, he did all right today from what I saw. And he does look to be peeling off to the right, which allows um, uh, Elanga to go through the middle. And I think he's done it in a previous game where Gibbs White went through the middle. It might have been a cup game. Um, I think in Nuno's first game, he started him on the right as well, if I seem to remember rightly, against um, uh, Bournemouth. So maybe he sees an opportunity there. And if he's going to drop a little bit deeper and play through them through balls, then, then why not? You know, it, it's an option, isn't it? But he is our option. He is what we have. We don't have Chris Wood. Um, the new lad, Ribeiro, is 18. I don't know how much he's going to feature, to be honest. So he is the offensive, the main offensive option. So it is good to see him contributing. He's going to need to, because if there is a, um, a doubt with Tyro and they are wrapping him up in cotton wool, so to speak, or they're, you know, just managing his training and his minutes... Um, then, you know, he's he's not going to play the full 90 every week, is he? So Divock is going to have to contribute and he's going to be here for the rest of the season. So, you know, good luck to him because we're going to have to pull together now. Just looking at the table, the more I look at it, the more it looks like it's just going to be as against Luton, if I'm honest, because I think Everton have got enough to pull away. They should have won today. Palace won. Just feels like it's going to be as, as all Luton for that third, third spot. So... It's a big game against them in a few weeks, and Divock's going to have to contribute. So, yeah, I, I agree. With, I agree with your point, Matt. I think everybody's got to rise to the fore now. And you have to remember as well, like Mark was saying, we've got a very young team in, in, in places in the team. He's a he's a seasoned pro. This lad, he's won. He's won what there is to win. You know, it, it, he needs to be leading and, and and guiding, and he needs to be, you know, inputting um, by his actions. So. Um, yeah, let's let's just see because I think he's going to get some minutes. I think he'll start in the cup as well. So, yeah, got it, got it back in my feet. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be as positive as I can. <laughs> I may have become request, but I am trying to be as positive as I can because I can't sit here and say last week we were brilliant, which we were, and this week we were so bad, which we weren't. And that's that's the truth. But I'm trying to be a bit in the middle to say that's what you're going to get with a young team, very inconsistent. Mm. We've got big games coming up. So we just got to get behind them and just hope that you know the real forest should I say turn up and not the one that turned up for the first half today. And by the way, first half goals conceded, other than Sheffield and Burnley, we've conceded twenty six this season. We are the third worst, and we've conceded mm. twenty three. So does that go back to how we start football games? Probably. Yeah, tells a tale. Tells a tale. Um, uh, Richard here asking about Omar Bamadeli, another young player, um, Mark. 
who is obviously very talented, but the fourth goal is just a it's just a nightmare. I know it's on him, but I don't think anyone came out of it with credit. It was a sloppy ball into him, a sloppy ball mm. out. Matt Sells got criticised by on the commentary, but I thought he was all right there. I thought he was all right today. But it's just a ter- and it's symptomatic of how bad we were that fourth goal when we were in the game as well. Yeah, it was such a shame, wasn't it? Um, yeah, I, I think it's one or two errors there. It's not just on Obama Delhi. He's the obvious error, but I think this, yeah, I, I don't know. I just, as I say, Dominguez just wasn't on it today and I can't understand it. Dinelo's so erratic. We've seen him, you know, go match to match and lack consistency. Young players, as we said. Um, I don't think you put any blame on the goalkeeper. I think he was solid enough today. It was a very testing first half for him and he stood up well to a few efforts. Uh we were okay at set pieces. Uh, it was the second ball. It was the second phase on the set piece that let us down there. And that was, I'd have to say, that was Dominguez's error again. He, you know, it was a poor clearance. He had a langer. He could have just nodded the ball to one side and we could have broke on them. And instead of that, he headed it back to, I think, uh, Cash or McGinn. And then the ball got, no, it was Cash. And he got played, McGinn got played in and he crossed in and Murillo and Felipe got exposed in the air. Um yeah, we were talking about our centre-backs last week, like we had a pair in that could carry us to safety. And now this week, we're like, mm, do we need to change it up? Um, I think Bolly is a factor as well when fit, obviously. Um, so I, I think our partner for Murillo is still a work in progress. I don't think it's it, I don't think it's clear and obvious yet. Um, Felipe did, did look poor, was exposed against Watkins, and um, that will give us food for thought going forward about what our best pairing is. Yeah, massively, massively. Like Felipe, um, I think you can hide his weaknesses when people around him are playing well. And mm. he's a great leader and a great organiser, but it was massively shown up today. And it does feel like that that whole debate is is wide open again. Um, who's next? Liverpool. They'll probably Maybe. want some athleticism there. Well, that's going to be interesting. That's going to be easy, isn't it? With Salah, if he's fit, and Darwin, mm. if he's fit, and Diaz, absolutely bombing at us. So, yeah. I, I, I would struggle to pick Felipe in that game myself, even though I'm a fan of his. So, um, yeah. Oh, God. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that towards the back end of next week. Just as we wind down then, um, Mikey, you sort of hit on what I wanted to, to say. Like, I don't. I, I hate it when we're like, oh, we're brilliant after beating West Ham. We're terrible after losing to Villa. I feel like we're sort of somewhere in the middle where we've got a lot of plus points in the team and we've got a lot of negative points and... Uh, unfortunately, we're not very good at hiding our negatives in some games, and today they all came to the fore uh, massively at the wrong time. How are you feeling going into the next few weeks, particularly the next two games before, um, not the FA Cup, we'll talk about that separately, but Liverpool and Brighton before the Luton game? Do you feel like we've really got to get something from them now and and really step up Uh, performance-wise? Performance-wise, yeah. Um, but I don't think it will be, you know, a death knell if we don't, because this is our final hard run of the season. You know, uh, these couple of weeks are just incredibly tough, incredibly tense. You know, we're playing title challenges, teams that are going for European comp- teams that are in European competitions, teams that are going for the top four. Um, so it, it is, it is really tough. It's just for me, it's just the level of performance. So even if we come out of these next couple of games with a point. Just, just a point, you know. I, I'd, I'd be fine with that if the level of performance is is to a standard where you say, do you know what? If if we continued that way, we're going to be all right because then when we, we face some of the teams that aren't a Liverpool or aren't a Brighton, if we play like that, we'll be fine. 
It's just this Forest team is so inconsistent. You don't know what you're going to get. But I think you, you touched on it earlier, Matt, and I think your words were better than mine in the sense that you were saying that the higher the ceiling, um, when we hit those highs, we can beat anyone. So it wouldn't surprise me whatsoever if we went and turned Liverpool over and then went and lost to Palace or Luton. And that's just that's just the team we are. It's crazy. So no, I don't think I don't think if we lose both of these next couple of league games, it's going to be it for us. Just as I'd say, do you know what? If we win them both, we're not going to be sat there with our feet up and you know booking a holiday because it, it just doesn't work like that. This team's too inconsistent. But for me, we just need to. Those periods of games where we are um, not in them and we're not doing the basics and we're not heading balls or stopping crosses or getting tight, we just need to find a way not to concede. And I know that sounds really easy. And if every team did that, no team would ever lose a game. But you watch you watch games of football with, with the, the top echelon teams. And when they're playing crap, for one of the best phrase, they'll dig in and they'll tighten up mm. and the shape will become tighter and the wingers will tuck in. And they'll almost collectively say to each other, do you know what? This ain't great, is it? But I'll tell you what we're not going to do. We're not going to let in a goal. And, 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 and they sit in. And then when the game has a breather, they come back out and they start to play. And you see it all the time. You know when teams are nil-nil, um, you're thinking, you know, the, the big teams are nil-nil, you're thinking, they're probably not playing well, but they're just waiting, just bargaining the time. And they'll come up. I just wish we could do that to a sense that in that first half when we went one-nil down, I just wish we would have gone, do you know what? It's not getting any worse than 1-0 this half. And if that means dropping Morgan a little deeper, if it means asking Callum and Anthony to tuck in 10 yards to help Niakate, who's not a fullback, and, and, and to help Nico out because you've got Leon Bailey down there who's, who's killing them, then do that and stay in the game. We just don't stay in games. 3-0 down after 39 minutes. Game's over. Like, mm. we, we can't do that. So my, my only ask would be, stick with the team because they're very inconsistent and some brilliant players in this team but I just wish I just wish some of the leaders like Felipe like Di Boccarini and those players would just go do you know what lads just tighten up just for 10 minutes and you hear pundits saying it all the time don't you all you know they're, they're closing the show and that's just what we need to do I don't know how we're going to do it but everybody knows that watches football and watches Forest we go through spells where we're rubbish and we had it in the first half and was anybody surprised it was 3-0 after half an hour? I wasn't. They, they just lack that experience, I suppose, just to close up. don't know whether I've articulated that well, but that's kind of where my head's at. I just want them to be pragmatic and dull and stay in the game, take it to the second half, and then then you can have those chances in the second half and probably end up winning it. Yeah. But even today, Mark, we I mean, we've done this all season. We've left so many points on the pitch to score two goals at Villa Park and not get anything. I mean, yeah. the list of fixtures where we've done that, obviously all the three twos, but there's been other games where we, I mean, we could easily have 10 more points if we just had a bit of, a bit of nous. Maybe is it just experience? Yeah. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, it is. We're, we're not, we're not hard to beat. It's like I said at the top, you know, they didn't have to play their best game to beat us and score four goals. And that lack of intensity that we showed in the first 20 minutes really cost us. And if you're, you know, we've got to go to Goodison Park and we've got to go to Kenilworth Road. And if you're Everton and Luton, you know they're going to bring the intensity. I think we've got a better 11 than both those teams. I think we've got more quality in our 11 than both Everton and Luton. So if it came down to quality, we'd win those games. But it's likely to come down to other factors than quality. It's likely to come down to you know, work rate, team teamwork, and, and, and certainly intensity and passion. 
And it wasn't evident that we had that in the first 20 minutes. Um, and Villa were able to wander around us, pick their passes and get their play, their ball players on the ball against our defenders who weren't who had bad days. And if you're Sean Dyche and you're looking at that, you're thinking, well, there's, there's an easy blueprint to beat this team. We'll just get amongst the early doors, as he would say, and um, show that intensity in the tackle and, and we shrink and we can't allow that to happen. We've got to... We've got to impose ourselves on games because we are good enough. We have got talent on the pitch to hurt opposition. But today it was evident that we just lacked that confidence to to really get stuck in from the from the first whistle. Um, hopefully it's an outlier. If you look at the numbers, it looks that way. We conceded five big chances today. We've been averaging well, one chance, one big chance conceded under Nuno in every match. To concede five today, it was an outlier. It's probably the worst set of defensive numbers we've put in. Um, so I hope that Nuno corrects it. And it's it's comforting that he made the changes at halftime. It's comforting that he's come out and said the first 20 minutes is what killed us. He's, he's right. So we've got a manager who sees the problems and we've corrected the goalkeeper. And as we keep saying, we've just got to be harder to beat and correct the errors and not concede silly goals. And we've got quality on the pitch then to hurt opponents and win games. But we can't keep saying it. We've got to do it soon, otherwise we're going to slip into that bottom three. Mm. And I haven't, we haven't mentioned this yet, but the Afcon players not being available was a pain in the ass, frankly. That you know, mm. not to have any of them's call on off the bench because it it felt like a Sangare game, the best version of Sangare which we haven't seen to battle in that midfield and assert some form of control, not 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 dominance, just control, which we never had. And Olorena, you know, he would have played left back today if Tavares was injured, if he'd been fit. So that's another, you know, one that's killed us. And Bolly would have come on, you know, uh, or started the game uh, if Felipe can't play. I mean, he should be able to play two, you know, a game every weekend. You would hope, otherwise we've got real problems there. But yeah, we need those Afcon players back very quickly, and it is a concern. And we'll pick this up on Monday as well. But Nuno didn't put a timescale on any of those players coming back, and that's a worry to me because we need them. Most certainly. Um, just before we go, a few people have asked this question and I'll put it up from Boynesy just quickly for each of you chaps. Uh, the Niakate long throw, uh, it feels like it's lost its pep to me since he knackered his elbow in pre-season. Um, would you get rid of it or would you keep it? Especially at Anfield last season, it did create havoc and we've got Liverpool next. So do you at least persist for one more game, Mikey, if he's on the pitch? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, very good question. Uh, I suppose it's who's in the team around him. So you think if Felipe was playing, you know, get him in the box, try and win it. Sangare, really big guy, maybe him. So it's probably dependent on the opposition and also who, who's your teammates at the time. It's not been as as effective as it as it has been. Um, I don't think I'd just abandon it. I just it'd just be horses for courses for me. So you know, going back to um, what you were saying about Sangare and, and that Boynsy question just there. Uh, he would have been great today. Like I was saying to Lindsay, I said to her, how many times has some Villa player come to the edge of the box unchallenged and have a shot mm. before it got blocked? Three, four. And literally, I'm in a group with Pete Blackburn, who's obviously on here. And it was either him or somebody else put, literally 60 seconds later, I make that the fifth time that's happened. So everybody's everybody can see it. And, that, and that's where he could be absolutely pivotal to us. So, you know, the best Sangare sits there and blocks that and dictates and uses his physical size because he's a specimen and obviously going back to, to the question there if he's in the team and Felipe's in the team and maybe Chris Woods back he's in the team then you, you use a long throw 
But if you're going to be playing smaller players and up against giants, you don't. It's horses for courses. I mean, who have we got next? Man United? Yeah, maybe. Liverpool, maybe. They're not the biggest, are they? But then potentially when you go to one of the, one of the biggest sides of Luton, I wouldn't even think about doing it. You get it on the floor. <laughs> no point crossing it into Luton. That's the, the, the full of six foot six lads, aren't they? There's no point doing that. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, I mean, maybe Sangai would have been terrible. I don't know. We haven't just we just haven't seen it, but we need to see him on the pitch for us to be able to judge him properly. He's only had one game under Nuno. I saw someone put this on Twitter, so it's kind of a clean slate for him. And we we do need to see him step up, and we need him back quickly. But he was on the end of that really bad tackle in Afcon, um, and I think he's tried to play through it. And Ain has tried to play through an injury. Um, yeah, we'll pick that up on Monday about whether you begrudge a player uh, when he's played for their country in a major final. I find it hard to personally uh right just before we go then any final words from you mark no i i echo what you say about sengari it, it's the kind of player we're crying out for um if you look at that match and and you think if we had a number six who could protect the back four who could get his foot on the ball dictate play a little bit that's exactly what we needed today and we whether that's sengari i don't know we've yet to see it from him that's what we bought him to do we haven't seen it from him it's pretty clear that dominguez and danilo can't be that player. Um, they're they're still developing their skill set, obviously, but I don't think they're that number six that can screen the back four. Dominguez gets his foot in, gets in tackles. He's a he's a battler. We just didn't see it from him today, and Danilo was erratic. And I think that yes, the defence was poor. Yes, the two centre backs are poor, but I do think the two centre mids are what cost us early on. I think their lack of intensity um, just made it too easy for Villa early on. I don't know what was behind that, but we need to correct it. And yes, whether that's Sangari, I really hope. I hope it turns out to be. We think we've signed a, a gem. Um, we've yet to see that from him, but hopefully we can get him on the pitch and he can do that job for us because we clearly need it in away games, certainly. Yeah, true. Uh, as Pat says in the comments as well, Olorena does have a long throw on him as well. So there is an alternative there. Um, so, yeah, we'll see how that one goes. Interesting talking point. Mikey, any final words from you before we depart? Just a final thought on today's game. So losing to Villa isn't embarrassing. Lots of teams go there and lose. The way we capitulated in that first half and the way we were set up and the basics that we didn't do is worrying. So, you know, we've talked about the high ceiling, the fact that we, you know, we turn teams over at home. The games are running out now. You know, if, if you look at the table, you know, I said before, I think it's going to be between us and Luton for that last space. The games are running out. There's only so many times we can sit here and, Everybody can go to the pub after a game and say, oh, another cross, another goal, no, no, another mistake. <laughs> it, has to, it has to stop. Otherwise, we're going to be in serious trouble if, if we're not already. So we've got a big couple of weeks coming up. It's not season-defining yet, but it's getting very nervous because, like, like you said, the floor for these players is so low. It's, it, it's really difficult to know what team's going to turn up. So I just hope that the Forest that, that we know and we love and the team that is fluid and passing and concentrates and doesn't make stupid mistakes because they will be every single team around them in that league, every single one of them, Everton, Palace, Luton, Sheffield, Burnley, all of them. We're better than all of them, but we've got to stop. We've got to stop this nonsense. <laughs> Otherwise we're going to be in for a horrible last six games and nobody wants that. And it, it, and it is comforting to see Nuno kind of recognise that and say, we didn't start the game. Well. It's the basics. They sort that out, they'll be fine because there's so much talent on that pitch. Mm. So I'm not I'm not doom and gloom yet. It's just like please stop making these silly mistakes because if you cut them out, we'll be absolutely fine. We'll, we'll be laughing in April. 
but they've got to stop doing it. Yeah, down with that sort of thing, as Father Ted would say. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, as ever do us a favor if you haven't already hit like and subscribe on this video you can consider becoming a channel member as well and give us a good review a five-star review on itunes and spotify be very much appreciated even though this has been a bit of a miserable one uh just quickly uh as well i must thank people who've become uh members um it's like it's a big factor in what we're able to do so very grateful for their support so um Apologies if I miss anyone off this list, but Mark Shardlow, who's a lovely guy, uh, Mark Harrison, Alan Williams, Carl, Barney the dog, canines are welcome as well. I'll take any kind of uh, animal support uh, if they've got some cash. Uh, Dom Basford, Martin Teal, Neil Jones, and Santanu Matey. Hopefully I've said your name right there, Santanu. Right. Um, thanks very much, everyone. Back on Monday at 11am uh, with Prutz, Greg, and uh, Temps uh, to hopefully... I don't know, pick the bones out of this a bit more and turn the page forwards uh, and then we'll reflect on the Premier League weekend when we've seen uh, all the results. Right. Uh, in the meantime, Mikey, thank you very much. Thank you. Keep your chin chins up, everybody. Uh, we'll beat Man U and we go from there. I, I, I can absolutely see that happening. I can. Uh, Mark, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Yeah, I echo what Mikey says. We'll turn it around. We're, there's, there's, there's wins in this team and we've just got to cut out the errors. We'll be okay. We'll be okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Disappointing, but not defeated. Personally, I think we can we can still turn it around. Today was a, a bad day, but we're capable of better. Right. Thanks very much, everyone. Have a good weekend, and we shall see you on Monday. Sports Social Podcast Network.